0: And welcome, everybody, to episode 73 of the Progression to the Mean podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. Joining me today, I usually say as always, but sometimes, uh, just Aiden Haller. Sometimes, yes, this is the second time it's just been you and me, Aiden. Aiden, how are you doing today?
1: Yeah, it's been a little while since it was just me and you. I think I was not an official friend of the program, yet. I was still making a couple celeb shots, so... um. Yeah, it just kind of shows how long me, you, and Keegan have been moving and grooving, but I'm doing well, man. Knocked out Monday. How's your day going?
0: Uh, Days going pretty good. We're, we're going to be traveling a little bit this week. We're going up north, going to Big Sur, so I'm juiced. So, um, yeah, and then we got, you know, preseason football on Sunday. So, how can we n- not be more excited about that? Keegan Thompson is not with us today. Keegan actually. Just started a new role at a new company. He's got some stuff to get done. He's got some stuff going on. So, um, if you uh, follow Keegan on Twitter, shoot him a shoot him a congrats. Let him know you're you're happy for him. He is definitely very happy. Well, we miss you today, Keegan. Today's episode, we are trying to find 2023 breakout candidates based off of historical archetypes. Some, uh, some pretty interesting stuff, Aiden. It's about as nerdy as you can get in the fantasy football streets, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's some fun stuff. Before diving in, today's episode of the Regression to the Mean podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best ball and underdog fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football. Just draft your team and that's it. No waivers, trades, or weekly start-sit decisions. Underdog will automatically play your best players at each position every week. Sign up today with promo code RTM to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. You could sign up for as little as $10 to start drafting today. It's mock draft season. It's fun to get in there on Sleeper. But you know what? Nothing is better than doing a live draft with a little bit of skin in the game on Underdog to get you prepped for redraft season. I, I just think it's the best way to do it, Aiden. 2023 Breakouts. Every single podcast you listen to is going to tell you about this sleeper that's going to be a league winner. You are getting shilled nonstop, twenty four seven to buy Puka Nakua and who else? Who's who's everyone pushing up the boards nowadays? Uh, Justin Ross and Deneric Prince. These are some of these uh, yeah Prince, some of these yeah. training camp darlings.
1: It's always with the Chiefs' offense. It's like which guy is actually going to be a li- like an actual like person here, but. Yeah, we'll and see. then
0: it ends up being the 31-year-old Jarek McKinnon, who uh, is the league winner. <laughs> but when we're, Shocker. when we're trying to find breakouts in 2023, I think it's interesting to take a look at previous breakouts from years past. And when you do that, you kind of see a pattern. You start to see individual running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks that are kind of repeating the same patterns historically, and they kind of fill the role of an archetype. So what is an archetype? They are types of players and situations that have historically proved to happen in fantasy year over year. For example, each season, it feels like a rookie wide receiver breaks out in a big way at the end of each year after toiling in obscurity for the first eight to ten weeks. Think Christian Watson in 2022, Amon Ross St. Brown in 2021, Brandon Ayuk in 2020, and A.J. Brown in 2019. These were all promising rookies who were thrust into bigger roles at the end of the season and provided fantasy managers league-winning upside. If we're able to compare their situations with current later-round picks with upside this season, we could try and find similar receivers in similar situations that we think could hit at the end of each season. So that's an example of a really popular archetype. We have a bunch here to go through. It's going to be a great episode. Starting off at the first archetype, it was the one we just used as example. It is the late season rookie breakout wide receiver. So I've got a list of about five or six late round redraft wide receivers that I think could hit. I don't have Jordan Addison on this list. I don't have Quinton Johnston. I think they're going a little bit earlier in drafts to qualify. I'm thinking about rounds like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, for example. And I have six guys here that stand out. I have Josh Downs. I have Marvin Mims. I have Zay Flowers. I have Jalen Hyatt, Jaden Reed. And you know what? We, we can throw QJ in there if you want. Like, you know, maybe he is not on the field to start the season, but I, I think he may break out earlier in the year. But if you're looking at these lists of wide receivers that are rookies, which one is standing out to you as a guy that could potentially have that Amon Ross St. Brown, Christian Watson breakout out at the end of 2023?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. I think we're always looking at those rookie wide receivers, given that we've been spoiled over the last couple of years with like the Jamar Chases, the Jamar Jefferson's really popping early. I think it's really common these days that we're all looking for that immediate impact wide receiver, but sometimes it does take, sometimes it does take a little bit, whether it's half a year, a full season or more, um, you got to be patient with rookies. The one that I really like that I've been high on pretty early in the, in the draft process is Zay flowers to me. I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, we we're all assuming that the Ravens are going to pass more, but I don't think he's going to command a massive share early. But in my opinion, he is the best wide receiver in that room, I think, for a handful of different reasons. One, he's much younger, got a ton of juice, less tread on the tires. His two biggest competitions at the wide receiver position, four touches, are both pretty injury-plagued to this point and have some massive red flags. We all know that Mark Andrews is obviously going to be the alpha there. He's going to lead that offense in targets. But I think potentially by the end of the year, Zay Flowers could absolutely be their wide receiver one in terms of weekly targets. So Zay Flowers is definitely someone that I'm keeping my eyes on as I think he could have a massive impact once the kind of dust starts to settle and offense realize kind of who's got the most juice in that wide receiver room.
0: If they're going to be running more four wide receiver sets, three three wide receiver sets, if they're going to be passing the ball more, if they're going to be playing with more pace, I think eventually as the season wears on, Zay Flowers will establish himself as as Lamar's go-to deep threat and I think will be pretty dominant. Like, I definitely can see it. It's like Scott Hansen. She's like, you guys, what until you see what Zay Flowers just did? The rookie in Baltimore, and he's just torching corners and winning people playoff
1: matchups. I I totally could see that. I
0: can't believe he goes as late as he does.
1: I think he's going to catch a ton of short stuff, too, just given he's so twitchy and good with the ball in his hands. Like, you watch his college tape. And it's like, dude is just a freak at breaking tackles. So, like, even just quick hitters, jet sweeps, like, I think they're going to use him in a ton of different ways. His skill set is just so much more complete in terms of, like, OBJ or Rashad Bateman, to where, like, they should be trying to get th- the ball in his hands at least, you know, 10 times a game just to see what he does, break some tackles. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, but. I'm going with Zay here. How about you, Sean? Who's kind of out of the remaining four guys? I'm. I think I know who it is. I
0: think you might be wrong. I think you. Th- you think I'm going to go with Jalen Hyatt here.
1: Uh, it, I was going to guess Jalen. So, Hyatt. <laughs> so if
0: we're looking at like 2022, Christian Watson, I think Jalen Hyatt could absolutely have that type of season where he scores eight touchdowns in the last nine games of the year on like a pretty low target share, even though Watson had a high target share, but. I don't think it's going to have that number one wide receiver role that, that Christian Watson had, but I think like big play touchdown upside, unlocking the offense. Jalen Hyatt for the giants is definitely someone to take a look at is my heart is telling me, Marvin Mims has an opportunity to do what 2020 Brandon Ayuk did where like receivers go down and all of a sudden Mims is just in the number one receiver role and he's really good. He's getting peppered with targets. He fits Russell Wilson's profile too of a deep ball quarterback. I mean, a deep like taking deep shots, Mims is gonna win on vertical routes down the field. It's like I wouldn't say he's Tyler Lockett, but there's similarities to their profile in terms of, of speed and, and route running. He, he's a he's a baller, but I got to go with Jaden Reed here. I think Jaden Reed is someone that really intrigues me. Christian Watson, injury issues in year one. Romeo Dobbs, injury issues in year one. Luke Musgrave, the other tight end who's going to be on the field a ton. Tons of injury issues in college. I think this is a type of offense where Jordan Love is going to need gimme routes and easy stuff over the middle of the field for them to move the ball and Jaden Reed is, is very similar to Amon Ross St. Brown in terms of a prospect profile in terms of where he's going to play. He's going to be a power slot. I love slot receivers could just be a situation where all of a sudden Jaden Reed is getting a ton of targets in games because of just the fact that he's on the field with limited competition and other guys might be out. So I think I'm going to go with Jaden Reed is just a random guy starting in week eight or week 10. You pick him up off the waiver wire and you're, he's your flex each week. And you're you're just winning because of it
1: no i like that one i think one of the biggest thing you said is just like the lack of competition like that offense in general is kind of a huge question mark and i think it might take them a bit just like in general both to kind of just like figure out their identity and kind of get into an offensive groove but outside of christian watson who's to say he's not the second best pass catcher on that field you know i know they have romeo dodd they've got the two rookie tight ends but to your point, Jaden Reed could definitely step into a handful of targets on a weekly basis. Stepping into that kind of second part of the season, um, kind of like I kind of look at him pretty similar as Zay Flowers. Funny enough, when like you look at their size and their ability to do things both inside and outside of the numbers, I think um, those are both pretty fun picks. As I think both of those offensive coordinators should be looking to get those playmakers the ball in their hands and get them into space, as I think they're both going to be super fun to watch.
0: The next archetype I'm looking at is a sophomore wide receiver who breaks out after a strong finish to their rookie year. Uh, some of these names, similar to what we just called out, I have A.J. Brown in 2020, Ross St. Brown in 2021, Michael Thomas in 2017 had a massive sophomore season after a really strong finish to his rookie year. I have three names here. I have Christian Watson, obviously, set the world on fire with what he did at the end of the year. We have Drake London, who had a 30% target share once Kyle Pitts went down. And then we have Jahan Dotson, who, by all accounts, is just a really good football player uh, for the uh, commanders. If you're taking a look at this list of three guys who you think could have a really strong season as a sophomore and breaking out... And again, this isn't the Alaves and the Garrett Wilson's. Like, I think that's a little more obvious here. I think we're kind of going for something a little bit deeper cut because they're just. <laughs> yeah, those guys have already arrived. Yeah, those, guys they've have already, arrived. Like,
1: those guys are getting drafted, you know, top 20 yes. in drafts right now. Like, Second round they're, picks. They're, they're the yeah. real deal. So, yeah, Alave
0: exactly. and Garrett Wilson are have already been, uh, have already broke out, in my opinion. So, if you're looking at this list of Drake London, Christian Watson, and Johan Dotson. Could we put George Pickens? I I think I I probably could put George Pickens. I don't want to. You could put
1: him in the list. Pickens
0: Hive. I don't know how strong his season was, or I I kind of faded that hype. But if you're looking at those four wide receivers, who do you think really stands out
1: as someone who could break out in year two? This is a tough one for me. I could kind of go any way here. I think Christian Watson obviously has like game-breaking speed. Jahan Dotson probably caught more touchdowns than he should have for like how much volume he had. And then it takes you to Drake London, who I think is actually my pick. And the biggest reason is kind of like opportunity and volume. And I think out of the three of these guys, I think this guy is going to see far more opportunities to make plays. And for me, I think that's really what you want on your fantasy rosters is, again, you want upside. You want home run potential. And I think between drake london and kyle pitts there's not many other viable targets on that offense granted it is going to be desmond ritter throwing him the ball you know everyone has their opinion on him is is he going to be good enough to produce you know fancy viable targets and i think so and even if it's not fantastic quarterback play with the Volume that I think we're all projecting he's going to get, and how he finished the year. He was really strong down the stretch with Ritter. It seemed like the two of them were really starting to develop some chemistry at the end of their rookie seasons, and that's something that you definitely want to look at building into twenty twenty three. So I'm I'm going to go with Drake London. I think his volume gives him just far more potential. He's also just a freak of an athlete. But I think he stands in what six four off the top of my head, um, like. He's a mismatch problem. He's going to get a ton of red zone targets. And that's something you want in fantasy. You want touchdowns. You want those, you know, important touches. So, Drake London for me. If you
0: look at Drake London, weeks 13 through 18, 15.5 fantasy points, 12, 14.6, 9.7, and 18. Majority of that, he's coming with Desmond Ritter at quarterback. I think there are questions about overall passing volume in this offense. I think there are questions about. You know Kyle Pitts and his market share he's going to command and what does Bijan look in the past game. However, if you look at Drake London's prospect profile, his target share, his ability to just win in so many different ways at such a huge size of a receiver is is kind of, yeah, you said it. He's a freak. He's, this guy is just freak. insane to watch somebody be that agile. It's like Michael Pittman on steroids, which is a phenomenal football player right because i think michael pittman gets a little slept on for his size and his route running ability i completely you're agree. taking drake london what in the fourth or fifth round christian watson's going in the fifth or sixth jahan dotson is kind of in the seventh or eighth if i had to pick out of those three i think london is probably the safest i think in terms of upsides wins championship christian watson is one of the biggest boomer bust players on the board he Yeah, you could be drafting this guy as your wide receiver three, and he could be a top 10 weekly play. Yep, top 12. And you could draft him as wide receiver three. And, you know, again, this guy is injury prone. He missed a ton of games. He's a huge freak, like how fast and how big he is. And then also, he's not the most nuanced route runner. He's still a developmental project. His quarterback is Jordan Love, who we have no idea about. Like, we literally have no idea what Jordan Love is going to be. And that offense may not pass a ton. So it's it's interesting, all three yep. of these guys and Jahan Dotson too, really low-volume passing offenses. And it's almost like, can we replicate what happened at the end of last season? I don't know if Watson can because a lot of that is on deep shots with an incredible deep shot quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. So if I had to pick one and put a flag in it, I'd I'd say Drake London. However, Watson in the middle, you get Watson cheaper, so the upside is is hard to deny. But yep. I think London is... Such a great pick, considering that if if that's, if that's it so carries too. over and Ritter's just better than we expect, I mean, we're talking
1: Drake London is is a top 12 weekly That's a play. potential league yeah. winner. Yeah, that's yeah. a potential yeah. league winner there in the fifth or sixth round.
0: None of these guys is a bad pick, by the way. If you're taking Watson, None. London, and, yeah. and Dotson, I think they're all great picks. The third archetype here, and, and the last wide receiver we'll touch on for a minute, is a young wide receiver that's a second option in their offense— that all of a sudden just explodes on the scene because the offense gets better with play calling, maybe the quarterback gets better. A lot of different question marks push these guys down. So if we're looking at wide, young wide receivers that are the second options in their offense, historically, like look at Jalen Waddell, look at Devonta Smith, look at Brandon Ayuk, all these guys have been able to cash at really like cheap ADPs because of the fact that they had questions about their role or questions about the offense in general. I have five guys here in this group of players. I have Sky Moore, I have Jahan Dotson, I have George Pickens, Traylon Burks, and Alec Pierce. Looking at these five wide receivers, which one of these that's kind of a risky fantasy asset, outside of maybe Dotson, he seems a little safer, which out of these five do you think really breaks out and is a borderline wide receiver one or like mid tier wide receiver two is the second wide receiver in their offense
1: this is a hard one i'm between two people i think for different reasons and i kind of want to touch on both of them just a bit and then kind of give my final verdict so the first would be sky Moore. we're always trying to find like the next wide receiver in that offense it's like beside kelsey like someone else has to be like extremely fantasy relevant last year that wasn't so much the case with the first year outside of tyreek hill But it just feels like going into year two, like the buzz around Sky Moore feels a little different. I know last year, like we were kind of holding on to this dream that like Sky Moore was going to step in right away. And that's really not the Andy Reid style, especially like a small school guy. Like you're not really going to come from a small school like that and immediately contribute in that type of offense. But just given the volume with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, like how would you not want to take a swing on what could potentially be their wide receiver one? It's just like... There's so much upside with him, so the passing volume is why I think he's so exciting. And then the second one would be Traylon Burks. This is obviously going to be a much more run-heavy offense, but Ryan Tannehill is is no bum by any means. That's still an extremely competent quarterback, especially something like the wide open play action shots that that type of like run heavy offense gets to them. I know Hopkins too. A lot of people see as more of a hindrance. To him, or I I kind of see it the other way. I think, like, they didn't really have a second wide receiver to start with, so I think this only helps him out. He probably gets better matchups as a result, and he just gets to learn under, you know, one of the most exciting uh, wide receivers, you know, the past half decade or so. So, I like Traylon Burks a lot. I think the volume is, like, the biggest red flag here but everything from training camp is like this guy's moving different this offseason like he really worked on his body and is you know really playing well this training camp so it's a toss-up I'm personally leaning Traylon Burke I think it's a safer pick in terms of like floor and ceiling whereas I think Sky Moore could absolutely boom but I think Traylon Burks is stepping into a pretty bona fide wide receiver to their role which could be pretty opportunistic for him
0: I like Traylon Burks. I don't think that was the one I was going to go with because the Titans just scare me in terms of their offensive line, in terms of if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt, Malik Willis and Will Levis I think are going to really struggle, and I think they will be run first. However, Traylon Burks does look great. I know the training camp videos don't mean much, but he looks great. Like, truly, he's he's awesome people, running great routes. He looks fast. He looks huge. Ah, uh, good for Traylon. I guess he uh, had a rough camp last year, so it's nice to see him rebound and, and have a strong camp. If I were going to take somebody from this tier, I think normally I would, I would want to take Sky Moore. But when we've been looking at these other archetypes that have broken out, Ayuk, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, a lot of them have been first-round picks, but they've been in really good offenses, <sighs> tied to really good quarterbacks. Oh. And I, I'm, I just, I, you gonna do it? <laughs> I Jahan Dotson is really interesting because Matt Harmon, a reception perception loves him. He's a great route runner. He's excellent from, from what he can tell in terms of people that grind the tape. He had a strong rookie season. He didn't have a great target per route run rate. Didn't have a great yard per route run rate, but that was just a weird offense. Maybe with Eric B patrolling the offense as the offensive coordinator, maybe we get a balanced approach. Maybe they are more pass heavy. I, I don't know. Right, We don't really know what's, what's going to happen here. With We don't know what this offense will look like. So because of that, I I, ah, I don't know if I can get there on Dotson. But I think I'm going to take George Pickens here because of the hype. I think he would have been a first-round pick uh, because of the knee injury. I think yep. in knee injury in college. We, we have kind of had a hard fade this offseason on Pickens, and it's slowly become like a neutral fade to where like
1: yeah.
0: I'm listening a little bit. I think really smart people like football people love him. And you know, he's got that, they love, they got that dog in him energy. A lot of people around the team think he's incredibly special. And we've been saying on this podcast, it's always the year after the year they have the knee injury. This will be two years removed from his knee injury at Georgia. I think there are systemic questions about Kenny Pickett. There were systemic questions about Jalen hurts, right? Before Devonta Smith blew up there. There were questions about the offense. I, I just Matt Canada. I can't. I just don't want to draft any Steelers if Matt Canada is the OC. But if I had to take anyone that you know goes in the seventh or eighth round and totally smashes at ADP as the wide receiver two in their offense, I think I'm gonna go with George Pickens. I think he has a great ceiling, and I I can't believe I just recommended George Pickens to our listeners. This is uh. If you've watched Seinfeld, this is the George Costanza. I'm going against what my brain is telling me, because maybe that'll just be right. Maybe just draft George Pickens. Maybe I'm just overthinking it.
1: He's the most fun pick out of this group. In terms of like just like the special just like pure ability on the football field, it's George Pickens. The catches he's making and just like the things he does on the football field is really exciting. It's just like Can you look past what could potentially be a bad Steelers offense? But these guys all have red flags. These guys all come with risk. It's just a matter of kind of sifting through that and seeing which one of the risks you're most comfortable with. So I like George Pickens too. I think he could be the wide receiver one there potentially. Like there's, I don't think Deontay Johnson is that much more talented than he is. Obviously, like he's shown more in his career thus far, but who's to say he doesn't outscore him this year? Like, that's not insane.
0: One of my favorite George Pickens stats was that like, the majority of what he ran was just a nine route. It was just only running go balls, and he still had a 62% success rate on go balls. That's pretty good. That's that's pretty good, and he makes those circus catches. So, I mean, I I, I can't believe I just made that
1: pick. But... I know. The circus catches, I'm, I don't know if I'm more concerned that like he just doesn't really get separation, and I'm just okay with the circus catch or like am I looking at like this guy is just always smothered and then just you know makes a 180 and catches it you know with one hand over his head it's like I don't yeah, know you, what to think uh, when I watch George Pickens but it makes me feel something you got half I know I feel something you got
0: half a twitter you got half a twitter saying <laughs> I don't want guys who only make contested catches right you're like why can't he get more open and then you got the other half of twitter is right. like hey he can make incredible catches uh so I don't I don't know, man. I think at the end of the day...
1: Just get some separation. Yeah, I don't know. They, I don't know.
0: And they have Deontay Johnson, who's the separation merchant, who just might not be that good at anything else besides route running. Right. <laughs> Which, if they combined Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, it would be, it would be like Antonio Brown. It would be... Uh, Antonio Brown would be It'd be, be pretty unstoppable. <laughs> the next archetype that we have is the dead zone running back with major question marks, but with strong previous performance Think Josh Jacobs. We'll just we're just gonna call this year's Josh Jacobs. Uh, think of uh, his role could be in question. There could be a new coaching staff. There might be a newly drafted rookie uh, with competition for touches. This one's a little tough. Josh Jacobs is is somebody that had like two or three RB1 seasons under his resume that was going in the sixth round last year. So it, it's hard to find something super comparable. But a lot of guys on this list are definitely people have really strong opinions about. So it's probably similar to what Josh Jacobs was last offseason. I have Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Travis Etienne, and Kenneth Walker. I get it before you... I get it. Walker and ETN are younger, but they do fit the bill in terms of dead zone, rookie competition, potentially role change, etc. So if you're looking at this list of five people, who's jumping
1: off the page to you right now? So there's two in particular for me, but the one I have to go with is Travis ETN. I think there is like way too many green flags next to kind of his player profile for this year to like not just be absolutely amazed. Like his first full year coming back from the Liz Frank injury Uber productive year last year. He's going to catch a ton of balls. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are probably going to be a top five, but probably top 10 at worst offense. I just think he's going to get so many touches and it's going to equate to a ton of fantasy points. Him and Tank Bigspeak can kind of coexist together. Like Najee Harris is a harder sell for me. Like him and Jalen Warren, if that's a bad offense, it's a lot harder to split that pie just given the pie is a lot smaller. Like even if ETN's getting 60, maybe percent of the touches, maybe a little less, even if it's closer to 50, that pie is so much bigger in terms of that offense and the amount of points that I expect them to score. So I think Travis ETN is an absolute home run pick this year. I know he's in the dead zone, but like, I don't really draft him with any fear this year. I think he's going to be even better than he was last year and probably outperform his ADP. So I'm, I'm beyond high on Travis ETN this year. So the
0: profile we have an elite athlete coming out of college. This was essentially his rookie season last year. Usually you're gonna see yep. a big jump from year one to year two. He hasn't been rehabbing from his Frank. By the way, he looks so explosive off a of Frank injury, and like foot injuries are something you and I are very cognizant of. We We do not want to deal with speed guys with foot mm. injuries, and he was able to no, take a you. huge workload. I think The thing about Travis Etienne that was so much common sense about drafting Tank Bigsby is like, I don't think they should be giving Travis Etienne 28 carries in a game. I don't don't think that's what his profile is. I I like that Tank Bigsby's there. However, people are just just (laughs) assuming that backfields are just going to be, Tank Bigsby's going to be goal line and pass catcher, and Travis Etienne's going to be through the 20s. no. What if they have the same role and ETN just plays every two series and it's like ETN plays two series and Migsby just plays one and it's like a 60-30 split. I, like That kind of just feels like I what it would be. I think that's more right? Re- realistic. Yeah, I, I, I think that ETN is such an explosive player and when you look at Najee Harris who is the exact opposite in the sense of like volume, volume, volume. He's a volume merchant and that's how he's going to get home I want to take the player that is more explosive, even though a lot of smart fantasy people will tell you running back is all about opportunity. It's all about volume, but we saw several slow sloths at running back lose work towards the end of the year. And I just don't think ETN is going to lose work because he's slow he might lose work because maybe his hands aren't as good as Bigsby, maybe he isn't as good in the red zone. But today, I saw this on NFL beat writers with Twitter. Etienne got like the first three red zone carries today, uh, training camp, and he scored all three. So, you know what? Maybe the narrative's busted. Maybe the narrative's busted. I, I love that. <laughs> I don't think I saw that. I don't think I'll go with Etienne in this category. I- I'm really torn between Miles Sanders and DeAndre Swift, two guys that have been historical RB twos, right? that I think fit the mold of question marks, role change, how do we think they're going to be deployed, and then eventually they're just really good. I was all the way out on Miles Sanders, and it's like with each passing day, I'm, I'm starting to really open up to this idea that maybe this coaching staff isn't lying. Maybe they do want to feature him. They did just pay him a ton of money, and maybe this O-line is decent and this offense is okay. And Miles Sanders, you draft him in this fifth, sixth round, and he actually is a borderline RB1. And then DeAndre Swift, it's really simple. What if DeAndre Swift just finally has the role we thought he would have in Detroit on a consistent basis in one of the best offenses in football? So I think because I'm always chasing upside, I think I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift as this year's Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think that he just – he's just such an explosive player. Okay, last season, right, he was ultra disappointing, right? Anyone that had DeAndre Swift last season knew what it was like just to turn on a Lions game. They hate it. Just be like, they dude, can, we,
1: can he get in a game? Like, please – where do you think he was so efficient in his <laughs> yes. touches, which was the most frustrating part? It was like, just give him another 10 touches a game, and that's like an RB2. It's like, oh
0: where God. do you think he finished last season in PPR? With, with, like, and he missed like three weeks. He was an absolute train wreck. He barely broke 50% snaps in only five games last season.
1: Where do you think he finished as uh, in, in PPR? He's probably right around 30, would be my guess. RB21 in PPR. Yeah. And it, but like you would have thought he was the worst running back on the planet, the way like people have spoken about it. It was like if the volume increased by even 10, 15%, yeah, like we're looking at a top 15 finish in pretty, like relatively low amount of touches and snap percentage.
0: I know the bear case is he's not going to catch the ball as much. Well, Jalen Hurts did target running backs when he was a rookie, and he did do it in 2021. You don't target running backs that aren't as good as Devontae Smith and AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard. But when you have a real weapon, maybe you target them. So yep. he's a boomer bust guy for sure. I think Miles Sanders is safer, but I think DeAndre Swift's somebody in the middle rounds that has that league winning upside. That's similar to Josh Jacobs. I wouldn't be shocked if DeAndre Smith, I mean, Dodger Swift has like a monster season, like truly, truly monster season.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm targeting all four of these guys outside of Najee, but we've already ripped yeah. on it. It, It just feels like the ceiling isn't that high for him. These other four guys, though, it's like between volume, PPR ups, like – there's so much to like about these other four. And then, like, Najee, it's like he might not even be the best running back in that running back room anymore. But I he, don't know, man. It's,
0: that's what we were saying about Josh Jacobs. We were saying Zamir White and Amir Abdullah and Josh. And Josh this is worse. Josh, this
1: is way worse. But Josh worse.
0: McDaniels never deploys one running back only. Like, we, we had this such a bulletproof bear case against Josh Jacobs. And then, but the bear case yeah. against Najee Harris is slow kind of too big. I wouldn't say fat, but like he he put on too much muscle last offseason. It, it definitely slowed him down. Jalen Warren is for lurking sure. and he's lost his pass-down role. He's good! He, he's good! Najee Harris was RB3 in 2020, 2021 because of that pass-down role. I don't think he has it yeah. anymore. If you told me his pass-down no, so. role comes back, yeah, sign me the fuck up for Najee Harris if he's getting 6-7 targets yeah. a game again. I mean, that's, that's easy money, but without that pass-down role, he is a slower version of Travis Etienne and a worse offense who might score more touchdowns. I just – I don't – but maybe that's why he probably is this pick.
1: <laughs> maybe that's why because we're so out on him. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm okay to get burned. It, it It's just one of those guys I'm okay to get burned on.
0: Okay, so the next archetype we have is later rounds. Think like eight, nine – rounds eight, nine, ten. Sophomore running back who pops with an expanded role. Think David Montgomery in 2020 – what was it, 2020? deandre swift in 2021 yep. ramondre <clears throat> stevenson in 2022 these were guys that went crazy uh at certain points in their respective seasons as sophomores this list might be one of my favorite lists in uh all of these guys i, I really like i have damian pierce james cook rashad white brian robinson jerome ford might be seriously hurt i don't Well, we're recording this. He
1: pulled a hamstring today, I think. We're recording
0: this Monday the 7th. This is coming out Thursday for everyone. Jerome Ford, we don't know his status, but I have him here. And then lastly, we have Jalen Warren. Looking at this six, which one of these guys do you think just really goes off in an expanded role?
1: So I don't think this is the most popular pick, but I think if you're playing in a PPR league, I love this guy. I owned him last year, and it was the most frustrating thing with his timeshare. And that's Rashad White. Um, whoa, I think this guy is so talented. Oh, I love it. Okay, Rashad White. It was so fucking frustrating watching the timeshare with him and Leonard Fournette because, like, every time he touched the ball, he was so much more efficient. Dude, the dude had 60 targets as a rookie. Like, he's going to be involved in the passing game, especially if they stink. Like, this could be a team that throws the ball a ton. Like, the road to Rashad White having over 200 touches is staring us right in the face. And you're getting him, what, in the sixth round or so? But Sean Tucker.
0: Sean Tucker. uh, UDFA or Chase Edmonds. Or uh, who? And uh, their running back room is bad, dude.
1: I don't see it. Also, he's wearing number one this year, which is like, that's exciting to me. I'm like, I like an exciting, fast-looking number. But Rashad White, I just think, like, again... You're looking for vo- like volume, volume, volume with your running backs, especially if you're in a PPR league. You're telling me I'm probably like 50 catches on top of 150 plus carries? That's going to equate to good uh, production. Sorry, it just reminds me of like a James Conner type player. He doesn't really need to be in a good offense to provide for me. He's going to ca- like touch the ball multiple times every drive, probably stumble into a touchdown or two every week. It's like I'm okay with them being bad. Rashad White can still really exceed at ADP. I'm down for Rashad White. Remember
0: Keegan said he's the Bud Light version of, uh, of James Conner, and our show got canceled after that. But, yeah, it was, yeah. It was crazy. Um, I love Rashad White. Who's your guy I, I love Rashad White. I think that the uh, – okay, so – I've read some prospect pro. I mean, I've read some profiles on him about his year one because it was bad, right? It-, it was not efficient. That offensive line was terrible. Neither was Leonard Fournette. It was bad. Really weird offense. It's almost like throw that whole entire offense out last season in terms of just the Tom Brady 50 yeah. year old man grandpa <laughs> offense. I can't, turn, still good. I can't turn my back to the defense offense. So I'm really, I-, I like Rashad White. I do. His range of outcomes, don't laugh at me. His profile stacks up pretty well to like Le'Veon Bell, but it also like stacks up to some some major major busts who did nothing in year two. For sure, so again, I I did not just try and make a Rashad White will be Le'Veon Bell comp. I'm just saying in terms of like his thumbnail. Af- like, thumbnail his, like. his athletic profile, what he did in year one, is year two his receiving role because this guy is a hell of a receiver out of the backfield, which we love in PPR formats. However, if we're talking Ramondre Stevenson, David Montgomery types. I want somebody who's established the fact that they can really handle a lion's share of a workload with somebody who's super good when they get the ball. And I think I'm going with Damian Pierce here. He's really there similar to Ramondre Stevenson. And remember people said Ramondre Stevenson didn't catch the ball. And then all of a sudden they started targeting him at a 16% clip. And it was like, Whoa, this guy's actually a really fucking good receiver. Just a Wait, where did this come from? And uh, Damian Pierce was a good receiver out of college he played in a boomer offense with like Lovey Smith. I don't even know who the offensive coordinator that again throw that season out. The fact that Damian Pierce <laughs> had like massive boom weeks, spike weeks in that offense should tell you everything. That was an offense set up to fail week in and week out with Davis Mills at quarterback and Damian Pierce was a weekly fantasy contributor. Their offensive line has gotten so much better. That, you know, they brought in Shaq Mason. They've drafted a bunch of guys on the offensive line. They've upped their spending. They have Laramie Tunsil. We all like CJ Stroud. We think CJ Stroud is going to take a little bit of time to develop coming out of Ohio State. We like the fact that they have a Shanahan offensive coordinator and Bobby Slowick. And I think they're going to run the damn ball. And I think what's awesome is Damian Pierce is actually going to be unlocked as a wide receiver. And the fact of the matter is a lot of people think that Devin Singletary, because he ran a lot of routes, is a good receiver. Devin Singletary is not that good of a receiver out of the backfield. He actually is a pretty good runner. So I think Singletary, in a weird way, just mixes in. Like, he just is going to play some some games. Like, he, he may play some drives. Like... I think it's a sweet s- did in
1: Buffalo, th- man. It's just, just kind of hanging around, just you know, just <laughs> getting enough. Like
0: touches. a 60-30 split, and Damian Pierce is yeah. just gonna be the Bell Cow, so to speak. Maybe like new Bell Cow, right? Like it's the new age bell cow. You only get 60-70% of the looks, right? Of snaps. Yeah, right. Um, but I think Damian Pierce is gonna up his usage as a wide receiver. I think CJ Stroud's gonna be able to get him the rock. I think Damian Pierce is gonna be an excellent, excellent pick in fantasy football. I love him this season. The only other guy I consider is is James Cook. I've been in on James Cook early to the point where I was taking him in the like tenth eleventh round in best ball drafts. I'm not gonna brag about my exposure <laughs> here, but I'm I'm over twenty percent. I'm over twenty percent, James Cook. Uh, you're you're I'm, exposed. because yeah, again, I think he was good in limited snaps last year. I think the Bills, like how I've said, Miles Sanders is going to get featured because that's everything the coaching staff is telling us. I think the Bills want James Cook to run away with this RB1 job, and I think he has every opportunity to do it. I think it. they do also. Do I think he's going to be a thumper? No. I think Damien I think Damien no. Harris and Latavius Murray are definitely going to mix in, but James Cook as a year-two running back definitely can pop, similar to Ramondre Stevenson, right, where it's running back thrust into a receiving role. However, I think James Cook profiles as that wide receiver. Now, if James Cook can prove that he's going to stay on the field a ton and can be used with, like, 15 20 plus touches a game i mean we're talking top top 12 play like he, he has that kind of yeah. outcomes in, in that in offense. that offense yeah. if he's
1: catching passes oh yeah, percent. so those are probably the only three that i would choose from this category i think the other three would need a lot to go right whereas i think the like the three we mentioned are gonna have like the first shot at like being like the guys yeah. in their backfields whereas b-rock not as much b rob's closer to 50 50 whereas jerome ford and jalen warren need some things to really go right for them to really pop and you know get significant volume.
0: half point ppr give me all the b rob like seriously give me all the b rob full point i still like him. no still like him but we'll we'll see i definitely do think he got better after he healed from his gunshot wound that went through his leg people love to forget about that one the next archetype don't forget forget the uh the next archetype that i have here the next archetype that I have here is the mid to late round Konami code QB who breaks out. Konami code rushing quarterbacks. Think Josh Allen 2018, Kyler 2019, Jalen Hurts 2021, Justin Fields 2022. Usually these breakouts have like kind of a lull at the beginning of the year. Some were just flat out breakouts at the beginning of the year, but these are late round guys that that are rushing quarterbacks. I've got 3 here and one of them is like a complete dart throw. But I've got Anthony Richardson, I've got Daniel Jones, and I have Trey Lance. I'm not expecting Trey Lance to start. I've given my opinion on that a ton in the podcast. He might play because of injury. Who who knows? But that's something to keep in mind, right? Because he could break out. He looks great training camp, and he is a Konami Code guy. Between Anthony Richardson and Daniel Jones, I think this is a pretty easy layup in terms of the safest one. I think we're both going Danny Dimes here, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I would almost argue, like, he already broke out last year. I mean, Jalen
0: Hurts um, broke out in 2021, right? He yeah, was QB like six. But Daniel Jones, and then and then he jumped yeah, to QB
1: one, right? So, yeah, that's fair. Because I I would rather go with Trey Lance here. To be completely oh, honest. Nice. Um, so Daniel Jones, yeah, like what I think I just looked. I think he was QB eight or not. yeah. So he was QB nine last year. So I'm like, that's too easy. I I kind of want to go. A bit of a harder route here in my opinion like trey lance is by far the most talented qb in that qb room if he ends up playing or not is yet to be seen but i don't know it just feels like we need to see trey lance at the nfl level in like more than just a couple games to see what we've got with him <laughs> I, he's so talented but like when you look at the arm strength you look at the wheels he's the total package in that room if he ends up being the starter, like the sky's the limit. That is such a QB friendly scheme. Like he was already playing. Okay. Like he wasn't incredible to start the year. Granted, like, he had the monsoon he had played, in Chicago he like six quarters. We know yeah, nothing about Trilliards. exactly. Trilliance has played four so like, games.
0: We know nothing about him.
1: We know that yes. So it's
0: he's like not great, but like he's only played fucking four games. So we we literally know. Yeah, that
1: the haters are him. like he's been bad in the NFL so far. And it's like that's just not true. Like we don't know anything yet. And in my opinion, like his ceiling is so much higher than any other QB there. It's hard to say if his ceiling is harder than Anthony Richardson. I think it is. I think it is, Um, just given that the 49ers are going to be way better than the Colts. Anthony Richardson, unless he rushes for like, you know, 700, 800 yards, is going to have a hard time kind of fitting this bill. So, for that reason, I'm going Trey Lance. I think it's just, I think we need to give him a chance and really see what we've got with him. But there's a chance he just rides the pine all year or gets traded halfway through the year, which would be a bummer, as, you know, 49ers, ton of draft capital, really talented guy, and just. May never end up getting his fair shot with the Niners. I
0: think a team will absolutely, with the Niners, he'll yeah, get a I shot. Think a team yeah, will
1: absolutely. Um, give him
0: a chance. Why can't, why is it so hard to look up? Okay, cool. I, I think between Daniel Dimes and Anthony Richardson, it's like choosing my favorite son. Um, I love both of these guys so much, right? <laughs> I, I think if you told me that Daniel Jones had the Anthony Richards, I mean, had the Jalen Hurts leap like similar leap like he's the quarterback that makes the leap after a good year and it's like not Justin Fields I'm sorry we love Justin this isn't this isn't sacrilege but I'm just saying I wouldn't be that shocked if Daniel Jones is a top 3 top 4 fantasy quarterback this season with the increased weapons that he has with the rushing upside he's one of my favorite picks in all the fantasy he's a reason why you go late round in my opinion I think I'm going to have to go Danny Dimes but you but you said it he kind of already broke out so it feels kind of like cheating I will say this. Yeah, it feels like a cop I will say this, okay, (laughs) with Anthony Richardson. This is from Hayden Winks, at Hayden Winks. There have been eight rookie QBs with 75-plus runs. Here is where they would have ranked in fantasy points last year. Cam Newton, QB3. Robert Griffin, QB5. Josh Allen, QB7. Lamar Jackson, QB8. Russell Wilson, QB8. Kyler Murray, QB8. Vince Young, QB19. Deshaun Kaiser, QB23. So that's pretty pretty good company. So that's something to keep in mind. I think draft both these guys. You want to win your fantasy league, draft Anthony Richardson and Danny, Danny Dimes. And then if Trey Lance gets yeah, an right. opportunity to start, you're picking him up on the waiver. Eating, eating For sure. Immediately. This one quickly, I think we like two of these guys, but I just wanted to call this out. Yeah.
1: So Yeah, we don't need to get too into this. <laughs> so this is the QB
0: who benefits from a new play caller. Oh. Think Aaron Rodgers 2019, Dak Prescott 2019, Tom Brady, 2020, Matt Stafford 2021, Tua 2022, Trevor Lawrence, 2022. These guys maybe got more weapons, better play caller, whatever, and they made a big jump in efficiency. I have three guys here. I have Lamar Jackson, I have Justin Herbert, and I also have Mac Jones. So I know this sounds crazy to say, yeah, well, but in two, no. in two QB leagues, Mac Jones is like a full-time starter that you basically get for absolutely for free. I'm not going to plant my flag in Mac Jones, but I think all three of these guys should see a major jump in efficiency with a new play caller, with new weapons. I think all three of these guys are interesting. Really quickly.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't need Mac Jones. <laughs> I don't need Mac Jones. Herbert and Lamar should both be top five QBs this year um, in their new schemes. They've both been right around it the last couple of years, anyways. But no, I don't need Mac Jones in a two QB league, maybe. But like, I'm I'm not dying to have him. It it feels like he's a couple games away from getting replaced by Bailey Zapp, potentially. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not dying to have Mac. Jones, okay, even in a new system. I'm just
0: saying he he played in the same system. This yeah. is a this is an offensive no, I, coordinator that got a ton out of Deshaun Watson. This is a quarterback that played with this offensive coordinator and Bill O'Brien in college. They're going to run a ton of RPOs. I'm just look. I'm not saying he's going to smash, but I'm there's a case to be made. I'm just saying no one is talking about him, like literally no one. And I am again one no of one. the biggest haters of Mac Jones. It's yeah. it's on the rec- oh, it's in sure. the record, okay. But I'm just saying. What if this offense is better than we think it will be? Just leave it at that. And you may fade it. That's fine, but it's free. I'm telling you, this offense is free in draft. So just remember that. I'm going to go through some quick hitters here. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time, Aiden, but yep. eighth archetype I have, veteran wide receiver who puts up big numbers out of nowhere. I mean, think Zay Jones in 2022. Think Devontae Parker in, in 2019, or was that 20? I forget what year it was, but that insane year he had. I think it was 20, maybe 19. I've got a a list of guys here, but who do you think is a veteran wide receiver that just puts up big numbers out of nowhere? Similar to like Zay Jones, where you're starting him in your flex in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go with two guys here. I'm going to go with Darius Slayton as one. Uh, I think he's kind of quietly getting forgotten about. I know the three of us are all pretty high on him. Um, It's hard to kind of figure out what's going on with this wide receiver room, but Daniel Jones, you know, has always been a big fan of Darius Slade in terms of, you know, targeting him, um, you know, down the field, kind of all across the field. And the second would be on th- um, this one's biased for me too, but Chase Claypool. I think in terms of guys here, like Chase Claypool's kind of been forgotten about. And like he had two pretty awesome seasons to start his career, has a slow year to start in Pittsburgh, goes to Chicago banged up fields is banged up trying to learn a new system but pretty much everything out of their camp is like he's performing just about as well as dj Moore in terms of catching balls all over the field jump balls in the red zone like there's a pretty easy case to be made for claypool catching 800 to a thousand yards he he's probably their wide receiver too there and what's expected to be an offense that takes a pretty massive jump
0: i think the claypool hate has gotten a little out of control it's It's a little off a little off the rails way too little off the rails um I've got a list here. I've got Isaiah Hodgins, DPJ, Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, OBJ, and Van Jefferson. I'm going to go with Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think both will have pretty big roles in subpar offenses, but because we're going to play in a PPR format, you could play them at your flex. They're good bye week fillers. They're guys you're going to want to fill out your roster with. Um, No one's going to get super excited when they click the Jacoby Myers or Juju Smith Schuster button. I think OBJ and Isaiah Hodgins probably have more upside, but I think Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith Schuster are fine. They're they're totally fine to to pick up. It's,
1: I like both yeah. of them. Like they're nice guys to have on your roster. Like they're just like nice safe bench guys that, that could absolutely slot and maybe perform above ADP that are like Good safe bets.
0: is one of the more underrated players. He was again, I think Matt Harmon says this. His knee's concerning. His he's knee's he's played every single but... practice in training camp. So yeah. in best ball too, where you're just trying to find guys who can start
1: each week, Juju's a great pick. Volume yeah. late volume two. He's he's going so late in draft. Next
0: archetype I have is vet, PPR back in a good offense who goes crazy. I uh, think Jet McKinnon in twenty twenty two. Um I'm trying to like think remember Darren Sproles and danny woodhead yep. and just these guys that are going to catch the ball to the back you'll think remember jd mckissick in 2020 i mean 2021 just yep. absolute hero you could play him in the championship so i have a list of four i'm curious to know what's your who's your like vet ppr back you're banking on this year
1: do you know who i'm picking here because i think he's even more than a ppr back it it it's samajay pierre for me i I love Samaje Piran. I'm not very in on Javante to start with, and looking at what Samaje Piran did at the end of last year, I think he's going to get a ton of volume in this offense, both in the passing game, but just running the football. I think he's a super talented rusher, so I'm big on Samaje Piran. That's a guy that I'll absolutely be targeting late in drafts, especially if you go for more of a zero RB build. I think this is a guy that's going to give you a ton of volume.
0: Okay, I love that. I love that. We've been big P Ryan drafters. I originally Huge guys. I originally had Clyde Edwards E slide it in here, um, but I think Isaiah Pacheco is going to play, and that backfield's a nightmare. I think Clyde's like one of my favorite last clicks in best ball. If you watch our best ball drafts, oh, you're going to do
1: it, huh? Um,
0: you're going to do it. <laughs> just when I thought I was out, they roped me back in. Oh, wow. And I've now heard some very smart people connected to the New Orleans Saints that say that Alvin Kamara has been miscasted in this thumper role. They've leaned on him too much as their base back, and that's why they've spent a ton of capital in Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller. They might even bring in Kareem Hunt. And I guess all of this is because they want to put Alvin Kamara back in the role that he excelled at for so long, and that was as a wide receiver out of the backfield. If Alvin Kamara is given his old role you're getting him in the ninth or tenth round, insane. But he showed so much decline. He's he was know, not
1: good. good last year. Um, you have got to have a massive risk appetite to do it. But in the like, ninth round upside dude, wins championships, like, dude. Where he finishes, yeah, it it's. But like, yeah, you got to have a nice running back room going in. He was this, not, good. or you've just got to be. He was not yeah, good no, last not year, not good at yeah. all. Like the last like second half, especially was dark, dude. It was like. I didn't oh, get dark, it. Buddy. It did
0: not get the usage. They were using him so no. weirdly, but Nick Underhill. They weren't
1: using him very well. Nick
0: Underhill, Nick Underhill of New Orleans football made had this whole long article about how they've been tracking him, and he's faster. He, he went to a new specialist to learn how to run again. All the buzz things I love, right? I mean, that's just pure, like, that's catnip to me. Like, you re-engineered your gait so you could be faster and play longer. Uh, that's that's the stuff that gets me They're
1: breadcrumbs for us. But,
0: again, if he is back in that wide receiver, that pass-catching back role, with, oh. with Derek Carr, who will dump off to the running back.
1: It, I, I mean... R- at round 9 ADP?
0: I can't believe I it. Know. I can't believe I might be back in on Alvin Kamara. I did not expect to get here. This is weird. I... I'm not saying he's a, he's a it's, target, but like yeah. it, maybe we're at the point of the off season it, where I'm now just I've seen so many narratives, I'm buying everything. Just
1: overconsumed at this point. But yeah. I'm telling you, in the ninth or tenth round, I'm gonna consider it.
0: We just did a mock draft. If you haven't watched it, it's on our channel. It's great on YouTube. I did a zero RB build, and I was like, I could go for a third RB and Alvin Kamara. This would be pretty cool if I went that route. Honestly, like I'll just take the swing. <laughs> or we have two more here under the radar rookies with a huge roll out of the gates. Think, uh, think Damian Pierce last year. Think James Robinson. Just guys you're not really expecting. I'm not going all running backs here, but I have a bunch of tight ends. It's mostly tight ends and unheard of running backs. If you're gonna pick one kind of under the radar rookie who has huge role out of the gates who are you going with
1: I think I'll go with Bigsby I, I I know we already talked about it a ton like there's a ton of buzz around him like they really like him they drafted him there for a reason there's plenty of touches to go around with him and ETN I think he could definitely have you know a dozen touches or so every week in that offense I think yeah take Bigsby it especially if, if you take ETN early like Bigsby is someone you should probably be handcuffing late in drafts in case something was to happen. Either one of them,
0: yeah. I mean, if 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 ETN that's gets hurt, if, if ETN gets hurt, I mean, Bigsby, uh, smash. Yeah, that's that's smash. a smash. Uh, he's definitely smash. somebody that I that could be picked. I'm gonna go with these tight ends. I, I'm gonna go Sam I Laporta and Luke Musgrave. I'm not gonna go Dalton Kincaid, go. even though I really like Dalton Kincaid. I, he's not gonna be. Like again, he's he's competing with Dawson Knox. There, it, it's going to be like I think a slower ramp up for Kincaid. However, yep, Sam Laporta and Luke Musgrave are going to be on the field for like every snap that they're healthy. There is a ton, like especially in passing downs, they are going to be on the field. Rookie yep. tight ends usually don't hit for fantasy, but they used to say that about other positions too. Things are always meant to change. Sometimes you zig when you zag. I think these guys are pretty solid picks. You're going to get them
1: very late, I, very late in drafts. I, I like them. Like, they're both already playing a ton, you know. Whether that means, you know, 80% like a snap share for them and like, you know, like meaningful targets, I don't know. But I'm pretty big on both of those guys too. You take
0: two of them, right? Maybe you take Laporta and then you take like a waiver wire guy and then you're just like, yeah. I'll figure it out. I can. It's tight end. You might end up dropping both of them anyway and they're going so late in drafts. For sure. Like you're going for upside. like you might as yeah.
1: like the upside's worth it for sure. You yeah. beat me too.
0: Um, last but not least, this is the uh, tight end dart throw. This is the tight end who randomly scores a, a bunch of touchdowns, like seven plus touchdowns. Think Jawan Johnson in 2022. Hunter Henry scores 10 touchdowns in 2021. Robert Tanyan scores like 11 touchdowns in 2020. Jared Cook scores like nine touchdowns in 2019. Who is the random tight end that's just going to catch a shit ton of touchdowns?
1: I think I'm going to go with Higby. Um, okay. I don't know. Again, outside of Cup, it's just like, sure, we've got Puka, you know, our darling, and then you've got Van Jefferson, but it's like Matt Stafford and Higby, we know they've already got really strong chemistry. That's a guy that I think just could see a ton of action. Now I'm backing up. A ton of touchdowns is tough because that offense might be pretty bad. Um, but I'm still going to stick Higby's to my guns here. Higby's going to be good and, like in terms of volume. And go with Higby. Volume, Higby's yeah. going to have it. The touchdowns might be tough, so I will like take a half a step back, but I think Higby's going to be a super underrated, kind of later-round tight end that you can get for damn near free or on the waiver wire, depending on how many teams are in your league.
0: I think there are two here. I'm going, I'm going two tight ends tied to elite quarterbacks in elite offenses that should not see a ton of target share between the 20s but once they get in the red zone, I think they will be useful weapons. The first one is Irv Smith Jr., who is on an Evan Ingram type. No, Evan Ingram is actually good. But he's on a kind of early-round tight end, a first-round tight end who's busted. I think that he can finally have the breakout in his career now that he's tied to Joe Burrow. He's having a great camp. But in honor of Keegan Thompson, and I've never done this on this show, and the both of you do it on, on a on a weekly basis on our uh, best Are you ball doing drafts. It? <laughs> I'm gonna pull the lever. I'm gonna pull the I'm <laughs> pulling the know. lever, baby. I think Tyler Conklin a lever, there it is. Um Tyler Conklin is like the definition of the tight end that catches 10 touchdowns. He's literally sure. the definition. The guy was good whenever he's played with like decent quarterback play. He's good whenever he gets peppered yep. with volume. He's like a year four, year five guy. Year four, year five guys break out and play well. And he's tied to Aaron Rodgers. And sure, are we super high on Rodgers this year? No, not really. But it's still yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's going to throw touchdowns. Like, you name, he's going gonna- to, and you name Tanya yeah, in 2020. Guess who's throwing the yeah. rock?
1: There he is. Yeah, There's <laughs> like, dude, big body in the red zone. Like, dude, I think, yeah, attaching yourself to a good offense is a good bet to find that uh, tight end that's going to, you know, stumble in for half a dozen tutties or more.
0: That's it. Those are our player archetypes. We've covered pretty much every single position. We've gone through a lot of guys that we think will break out in 2023. We're not calling this our league winner episode, right? But these are just guys to keep in mind when you're on the clock. Upside wins championship. Shout out Scott Barrett. But remember thinking about guys that could fill in archetypes of breakouts from years past. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate you. Keegan's not here. So, Aiden, what what do you love, man? What do you have to tell listeners?
1: Um I love football. I love football. I love football. I love Scott Hanson. I love football and I love the mean team. Oh. <laughs> Every love, time I love Scott I, I'd Hansen literally too. take a bullet.
0: <laughs> I'd take a bullet <laughs> for for Scott Hanson. That guy.
1: Scott, if you're listening, we would take a bullet for you. You
0: are uh you are a <laughs> hero. Right we appreciate it. Until next time, everybody.